When that kid rear-ended as being called in the It has a hundred You look very Yeah. 
Welcome, so good to see you. Welcome if you are worshiping with us online today too. So good to have you. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. Uh, we were just looking at some of the pictures from our Faith in Action Day last month. Uh, really, really great day. Hundreds of people went out into the community and did all kinds of projects. And that was just a sampling of some of the pictures and um, just a really great time. Uh, People from faith just connecting together and serving together is something really interesting. I always see that um, it sort of builds a family, builds community, builds relationships, and galvanizes our our church family when we're serving together. It's really amazing. So I just want to take as many opportunities like that to celebrate the the work that God's people are doing um, all over our community. So uh, thanks for all those who volunteered that day and who continue to volunteer in a lot of different ways. Uh, and speaking of uh, honoring people, we want, this is Veterans Day. So happy Veterans Day to all of you who have given of yourself to serve our nation and our um, armed forces. Um, there is a display, if you didn't notice this on your way in, right outside, if you're going out into the commons, just to the left side on the table there is a display with a whole bunch of pictures. Some people that you might know, you don't maybe recognize them in the picture because the picture was from a while back, uh, but check it out, right? After worship, just uh, take a look at some of those pictures. Um, there's also on the table, some pins that we would love to just give to those who are veterans to uh, mark you. So even early on in service today, if you wanna just kind of sneak out there and grab one of those pins, uh, that'd be great. And there's also a, a poem, several copies of that poem. This is not just for veterans, but anybody who'd like one um, to take along with you, uh, you can check that out as well. Um, and. If you are one of our veterans, could I, can I get you to stand up right now? Yes. <laughs> Let me just say on behalf of all of the people here, uh, thank you for your service and uh, we honor you. Thanks so much. All right, um, a couple other things before we get started in worship today. Um, after worship, we're gonna have a special dance through the decades. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary year this year, leading up to our 75th anniversary in February. And uh, we started, we, we <laughs> before I was born, obviously, but we started in 1949. And so we're gonna have some music from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and the 2000s, 2010s. And, Wow, so a lot of decades that we've been able to celebrate here at Faith and we're gonna have a dance after worship. So just a real a quick note, uh, sorry if you're online, but just bear with me for a second. Those who are here in worship today, um, we're gonna clear out the chairs on this side of the worship center after worship today. We normally wouldn't do this on a Saturday night, but we're gonna need to do that to make room for the dance. So if you can stick around and help out with that, even if you're not staying for the celebration after worship, um, if you could help us move those chairs, we're just gonna put them against the back wall over there. And then some of these, we'll, we'll keep all these chairs up, but we'll probably just kind of turn some of them uh, to enjoy some space together. So uh, if, even if you didn't sign up for the dance, even if you didn't even plan on staying, oh, I didn't even dress up to be like, you know, from the 50s or anything like that, because we encourage that. Even if you didn't do any of that, stay anyway, have fun, fellowship, enjoy music, and, uh, and celebrate together. 
Um, we're also working on a pictorial directory that's taking place over at Faith Ministry Center uh, every day through the week, Monday through Saturday. We have a photographer who's taking pictures um, from I think three in the afternoon to eight in the, in the evening. Uh, all, all the time slots for sign up have been taken, but he's going through getting pictures more quickly than than the spaces for you know the time slots. So it's a 15 minute time slot, but his average is six minutes for taking the pictures. So you can just show up. If you have not already signed up to get your picture taken for the directory, just come between three and eight, Monday through Saturday over the next two weeks and he will get you in, right? Just kind of slide you in when he's in between those that are already signed up, right? So, and if we really need to, we'll, we'll add maybe some slots after Thanksgiving, but we wanna get that done before Thanksgiving. Um, out in the commons is also the giving tree. So there are ornaments on there. You can take those. Uh, there are just a few left. So if you wanna help out with giving to the families in our community who are in need, there's a few more ornaments out there. You can grab those. They're due back uh, the weekend of uh, November 19th. So we'll need those back by November 19th. And then finally, you know, we're, we are continuing a series right now called Hall of Faith. It's uh, all about what, what is faith. We've been talking about that a lot over the last eight, nine weeks or so. Today, we're talking about Jeremiah. And I'm excited about this one. So I hope that you are too, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And that's the announcements I have for today. Uh, amazing. I'd like to encourage you now before we begin with our uh, worship in proper, but this is actually an act of our worship. That is to stand up, turn to one another, greet each other in the Lord. And uh, just, you know, tell people around you just how um, glad you are that they're in worship. Introduce yourself if you don't know them. Share time of fellowship. All right. Well, I hope you are ready to worship. If you're not, the band is juiced and you'll, in about 10 seconds, you will be ready to worship. Jesus. 
you may be seated. Psalmist says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him 
and in whose spirit is no deceit. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. God is omniscient. He knows everything about us. He perceives our thoughts from afar and he knows our every thought before it is spoken. We take comfort in the words of St. John. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That is why we worship and praise our indescribable, amazing God. Jesus is our comforter, counselor, and prince of peace. He is our defender, deliverer, and king of kings. He is our refuge from the storms of life and our redeemer that won our salvation. He is all that we need. Let us now humble ourselves and reflect on our sinful nature and our desperate need for a savior. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, things known and unknown, things that we have done and failed to do. Create in us a pure heart, O Lord, and guide us by your spirit so that we may live according to your will and bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Once again, as we said just a few minutes ago from Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When we confess to God, we find his amazing mercy. Mercy's new every day to us. There's nothing we could do that would separate us so far from God that he cannot bring us back by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's my, my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's amazing grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, the Christ, who gave himself for you, died for you, that you might be set free and made new. A sing of his loving kindness. Congregation may be seated. Your praises, your praises now awake the dawn. We'll greet your mercy with a song.
to rescue us with arms outstretched upon the cross the greatest gift that ever was of loving kindness a life laid down to rescue us with arms outstretched upon the cross the greatest gift that ever was of loving kindness your loving kindness Check it out how great is your love Amazing, God's loving kindness. Hey, let me have the kids come up here to the front tonight. Where are the kids at? Come up here. Let's uh, let you sit right here on the floor, right in front. All right. Oh, I know there are more out there. And some of you at home too, that's okay. You know, you can't quite come through the screen and sit right here in front of me. I can't see you, but you can see me. And uh, yeah, well, well I'd talk to everybody, even the big kids, you know. Um, so you guys wanna come over this way a little bit? Yeah, I, I just feel like I'm so much alone up here. This is, all right. <laughs> thank you so much. So, um, you know, I... I work a lot of days and when I come home and after my, my kids have had things go on in their day and my wife has had things go on in her day and, and I've had things go on my day, but we've done them separately. Then we sit down for dinner and we ask, how was your day today? Yeah, and, and how was your day today? And we start to share some of the things that, well, well what did you do today? And sometimes we could give like a, a whole big long story about, what happened today, right? Could you tell me all the things that you did today? Well, you know, first I got up and then I did this and, and then I, I, could you tell me all the things you did today? And either I came to church and you know, you could tell me, right? You could probably tell me all the things you did yesterday too. Right, tell, yeah, to school and then some, uh, had lunch and what did you have for lunch and what about dinner? You know, you could tell me all those kinds of things. But what if I asked you to give me a whole running story of what you're gonna do tomorrow? Could you do that? I mean, you might have some things that you might wish that you're gonna do tomorrow, but you probably can't give me a whole story of what you're gonna do, right? Because it hasn't happened yet. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna be. We might have some plans, but those plans don't always happen the way that you thought. And so tomorrow might look different than what you planned. But you know, um, we're gonna hear a story here in just a minute about a man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. And one of the things that prophets were able to do was to tell about the future. Because God gave them ability 
to see into the future and to tell about the things that were gonna happen as if they already happened. Yeah, isn't that amazing? But that's what prophets were able to do. And so Jeremiah is gonna be able to tell the people who were living in Israel at, the, at his time, which was before Jesus. It was thousands of years ago, before Jesus even. And Jeremiah was able to tell the people there, you know, things are looking really bad right now. But don't worry, God is going to bring us back and it's going to be good again. Because Jeremiah was able to see into the future past the things that are really troubling and really hard and really discouraging and see the good that God was gonna be doing in the people of Israel. But you know, the prophets like Jeremiah, they didn't just tell about the future they also told about the truth of God. That's always true. Things like God is good. Do you think God is good? Yeah, and he's good all the time. Even when it's, sometimes it's hard in this life, he's still good. And the prophets would remind people that God is always good. And God is loving. We, talk, we just sang a song called Loving Kindness. It's all about God's love and kindness toward us because he loves us. What does Jesus say? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? So we, we know that's always true, always. Was it true yesterday that God loved you? Yes. Is it true today that God loves you? Yes. Is it going to be true tomorrow that God loves you? Yes. So, um, can you tell the future? Yes, you can. <laughs> you can tell the future because you know that tomorrow God is gonna love you just like he loves you today. Now you don't know what all the things are gonna happen tomorrow, but you can still know that God is going to love you tomorrow. That's telling the future. Is God gonna be good tomorrow? Yes, he is because he's always good. So we have, the, we have the chance every day, even if we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, we know that God is still gonna be good and he's still gonna love us. And that's what the prophets did. They told people and reminded them, you can do that. You can be a prophet in that way. You could tell all the people around you, even when things are really hard and difficult and sad, God is still good. God is still loving and he still holds on to our lives no matter what. Will you fold your hands with me and pray? You can repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for always loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for always being good. We know that tomorrow you will love us and you will be good. Help us to tell others about your love and how you're always good. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you so much for coming up today. Those of you who braved coming up, I appreciate you. <laughs>
All right, we're going to turn to the Word of God today, namely in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Mashiach, and in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and of the witnesses who had signed the deed, and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to give this city into the hands of the Babylonians and to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who will capture it. The Babylonians who are attacking the city will come in and set it on fire. They will burn it down along with the houses where the people aroused by my anger by burning incense on the roofs to Baal and by pouring out drink offerings to other gods. The people of Israel and Judah have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. Indeed, the people of Israel have done nothing but arouse my anger with what their hands have made, declares the Lord." From the day it was built until now, this city has so roused my anger and wrath that I must remove it from my sight. The people of Israel and Judah have provoked me by all the evil they have done. They, their kings and officials, their priests and prophets, the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem. They turned their backs to me and not their faces. Though I taught them again and again, they would not listen or respond to discipline. You are saying about this city, by the sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banished them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people 
and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well with them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. So what on earth is that all about? <laughs> a long reading from Jeremiah 32. And when was the last time you even read Jeremiah 32? Have you ever even heard a sermon on Jeremiah 32? If you haven't, you're about to. <laughs> well, let me just put it simply. It's 588 BC. Israel is a mess. In fact, they have been a mess for a long time. Uh, for centuries, they, ha they had been divided. Israel was divided into Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Now, already at 588 BC, at this time of Jeremiah, the northern kingdom of Israel has been conquered and taken into exile, never to be heard from again. And the people of Judah in the south survived that only by the grace of God. Israel's defeat in the north was by the Assyrians. But now 150 years later, the Assyrians have been destroyed by Babylon and it's Babylon that's on the move now. And they are swallowing up territory like a high school football team at Pizza Ranch or something, you know, at the buffet. They are, they're gobbling up land with breathtaking efficiency. Nebuchadnezzar, maybe you've heard of him, is the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's forces have swallowed up Judah's outer defenses in the fortified cities of Azekah and Lachish. And they're headed to the crown jewel. Nebuchadnezzar has his eye on the prize, the big prize for this military campaign. And that is the capital of Judah, the holy city of Jerusalem. The prophet Isaiah described the amassing army like a river that has run over its banks and is flooding through the land and is swirling up even to the neck, that head being Jerusalem. In no time, Jerusalem is under siege. Now you might imagine the scene inside Jerusalem. People are freaking out. Property values in and around Jerusalem are plummeting. They're in free fall. The economy is pretty much shut down. It's in the sewer. People are hoarding food and other resources, whatever they can find, which is very little. And worst of all, the words of Jeremiah 19.9 are horrifically and apocalyptically coming true. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. They will eat one another's flesh during the stress of the siege imposed on them by the enemies who seek their lives. Now in the midst of the chaos and the cannibalism that is going on in Jerusalem, 
Jeremiah is praying to Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. Jeremiah sees the brutal reality of their current situation and he prays. This is Jeremiah 32, 25. Though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field. Buy the field. Now the field being referred to here is this field that belongs to Jeremiah's cousin, Hanamel. And the field is in Jeremiah's hometown of Anathoth. It's about three miles north of Jerusalem, which is the direction which the people of Babylon are coming against Jerusalem. Now I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I love the Hoosier State, still love Indianapolis. I wouldn't mind owning a piece of property uh, in the Hoosier State, but hometown or not, who wants to buy a field when the Babylonians are knocking at the door. It's 588 BC and every financial investment in Judah is hopeless. I mean, this is like Enron and Bernie Madoff and the Chicago Bears, all like in one really bad financial decision, right? What Jeremiah is is about to do is like, it's like buying land in Ukraine or in Gaza today. Like, why would you do this? So why would he buy this field? You're thinking if he does this, he's a loser. He needs a better real estate broker or something, better financial advisor. I don't know, something he needs to change course right away or he's gonna lose his shirt, okay? No way, Jose, (laughs) not for me. And you're probably thinking the same thing. There's no way I'm buying that field in Anathoth, not a chance, because it's it's not worth a plug nickel. Isn't this the way it goes? You and I, by nature, we resist risky investments. By nature, we want investments that are safe, that are, that are bringing with them a, a promise of a positive ROI. We're not gonna roll the dice. We're not gonna bet on the slow horse, right? We want stock in SpaceX, not in the Titanic, if you get what I mean, right? So we, we could in our job, whatever your job is. Maybe it seems like it's going nowhere. It's frustrating. You don't see immediate results. Things are hard. And what do you do? You tend to back off. You, turn, you tend to get disenchanted, disengaged. And you say, I'm not gonna keep pouring myself into that black hole. People say that about churches today. Oh, it used to be easier than this. We're all the people that used to fill up the church. What happened to all the programs that used to be so successful and that we loved? I'm not gonna give to that sinking ship. Or what about connecting to your kids when they hit the teenage years and conversations take a lot more care and patience 
Well, you can just say, it's easier for me to pour myself into my career where I'm at least appreciated and I have some success. But what about marriage? But don't get me wrong, marriage is a gift from God, no doubt. But it's also work, which anybody could tell you if they've been married for more than 24 hours, right? It's just, because what does marriage require of you? You have to invest, you have to sacrifice, you have to compromise and give. You have to die to yourself when you want an arrangement that is all just good for you. Anybody else feel this? We like safe investments, secure investments. We want investments that are gonna maximize on our personal gains, our personal power, our personal pleasure. So by the field, the one in Anathoth, when Nebuchadnezzar is getting ready for, with his scorched earth campaign, no way. If Jeremiah would listen to us, we'd say, don't do it. Nothing good can come of this. You'll lose your shirt. Jeremiah 32, eight and nine. Jeremiah says, I knew that this was the word of the Lord so I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. See, now that you know the context of Jeremiah 32, just a little bit, um, you're probably like, no, what are you thinking? Why? Tell me it's not true. But you know, if you actually read the whole rest of Jeremiah's like massive 52 chapter book in the Old Testament, 52 chapters of Jeremiah, and all through, you know, if you read the whole thing, you're like, oh, this kind of figures, you know, this is just like Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the guy who in Jeremiah 13 goes down to the Euphrates River, takes off his underwear and buries it in the mud next to the river and then digs it up again and puts it on. Jeremiah's nickname, no kidding, he's called terror on every side. This is a guy who is such a social outcast and emotionally unstable that he says, quote, cursed be the day I was born. <laughs> Three dog night was right. Jeremiah is a bullfrog. Right? He's, a, he's no friend of mine. Or, no, he's a good friend of mine. But did you know these were the words here? I never understood a single word he said. And you might add to that, or a thing he did. I never understood anything Jeremiah did. This bullfrog of a prophet weighs out 17 shekels of silver and he gives it to his cousin, signs legal documents and everything and buys this field. And we're thinking, why on earth would he buy this field? Why? They're about to go into exile. It's worth nothing. Well, let Jeremiah answer that question. Jeremiah 32, 36 to 38. You are saying about this city, by the sword, famine, and plague, it will be handed over to the king of Babylon. But, that's a big but, but this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banished them 
I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. Despite Judah's repeated sin, their repeated offensiveness toward God, Jeremiah says God has promised to bring them back to this place, to this land where Jeremiah just bought the field. That's why I bought the field, because God's promised to bring us back. Jeremiah 29, 11, you probably know this verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah says, my God gives me hope. He has promised that I have a future here. That's why I bought this land. This is all about faith. All about faith. What do we say? We've been talking about this for weeks now. What is faith? Remember one of the early weeks of our whole series, I asked you to memorize Hebrews 11.1. 1. Did you memorize it? Do you remember this? You still remember it? I said this last week too at Faith. It's like, this is the real test. Not whether you remember that that day still, but if you remember eight weeks later, you know, what does Hebrews 11.1 1 say? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is being certain of what you do not see. The people of Judah's eyes are seeing a massacre Babylonian victory, everything lost. It looks like Judah will be completely demolished and fade from the memory of history. But faith does not allow Jeremiah's eyes to deceive him. What he sees is not the end of the story. Jeremiah knows something more is coming. God has a plan, hope, and a future. God is still good. His plans are to prosper Judah again. But this is more than just coming back to take possession of that field that Jeremiah bought. It's so much bigger. So Jeremiah 23, five and six. Jeremiah says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah says, I have this coming king who will take this offensive foul bullfrog of a man and he will make me righteous. That's why I bought this field. Buy this field, actually take a, make a radical risky investment in God's coming kingdom. Yeah, you bet, Jeremiah says. There's another prophet in Israel 
who also went around making illogical investments in people like Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus and Lazarus, just to name a few. People thought he was off his rocker too. They didn't call him terror on every side. They called him Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. This guy is so emotionally unstable. He goes around talking about his death all the time. Son of man must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and he must be killed. In making his investment, this prophet lost his shirt. Literally, right? Matthew 27, 35. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothing by lots. Of course, Jesus lost more than his shirt. <laughs> he lost all of his friends at a garden named Gethsemane. He lost the flesh and his muscles off his back when they scourged him at a place called Gabbatha. And he lost the presence of his father even at a place called Golgotha. Now, why in the world would someone who has everything intentionally lose all of it? It makes no sense, no earthly sense whatsoever. Why on earth indeed? But then faith doesn't look to what makes sense on earth. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is the power of God to save. But Jesus wasn't just crucified. He also rose again, as we know, which is, it means that there is not just life beyond Babylon, there is life beyond your present darkness. There is life beyond your brokenness and shame. There is life beyond the grave, eternal life, the fullest of life. Now, God is not literally asking us to buy a field, but he is calling us to trust him in all circumstances. When our eyes see the darkness and the pain and the trouble of this world, God calls on us to trust that he is still good. That tomorrow and the next day and for generations, God is still gonna love. God is still gonna do good for his people. Even when the enemy is at the door and it looks really awful, trust God to prosper you to give you hope and a future. Amen? As our band is coming up to lead us in our next song, I love this song, Goodness of God. It's such a great reminder that always and forever, God is good. His mercy endures forever. And uh, we'll take our offering at this time as well. And our ushers are coming with the baskets. There are other ways to give too, whether you text or visit our website and give online, mail in an offering, whatever you'd like to do there. Um, just a word of thanks 
as you sacrifice in many ways to give, not just of your financial resources, but your time and energy as well, and volunteering and serving. And uh, let's sing this goodness of God.
All my life, Lord, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Now with every breath that I am able, let me sing of your goodness, O God. Let that be the refrain of our lives. As we look in recognizing and giving thanks for your faithfulness, let that be our refrain when it seems like Babylon is at the door and all is lost. Let that be the refrain when life is one big party and we're celebrating all the good things this life has to give. Let that refrain of your faithfulness and goodness be sung in our hearts and as we express it in our lives, in our attitudes, in our words, to all around us that they might know your goodness too. God, it's not always obvious to our eyes, but our faith takes hold of the assurance that you are always good and you are always loving. So Lord, when our eyes would deceive us, we pray that you would strengthen our faith to look to you and to trust that you are working all things for the good all of us who love you and have been called according to your purposes. God, we pray that you would uplift those who are in need of physical healing. Pray for Carol Moss. She's recovering from surgery and Al Pethke. She's recovering from surgery. Pray for Deb Zimmer as she's going through some treatments and Doug Scott's friend, Al as he's going in for tests. Pray that you would encourage and uplift and strengthen. We pray for that physical stamina that each of them needs, but most especially we pray for strength of faith. We also lift up to you those who are grieving today. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are very fresh off of losing someone they love. Pray for Ryan Angel, for Don Smithlin at the passing of their father, Terry Angel, who's laid to rest this week. And we pray for Rachel Ostas and her family, the passing of her mother, Joanne. Lord, we also celebrate today celebrate your goodness and all the ways that we have to, to rejoice at the special blessings of this life and, and friendship and love and uh, of success and, and reunions and new life and birthdays, anniversaries and all those special occasions. As we're nearing Thanksgiving, we pray that you would gather in our minds all the things that we have to be thankful for. We thank you today for Lydia Mangin, who is gonna be baptized in our services this weekend. And we pray that you would bless little Lydia to grow in faith, 
guide her parents as they model for her a love for their Lord, worship of the Lord. All these prayers, Lord, we lift up to you and we trust that you hear us. And we trust that you hear even when we don't voice our prayers, but they're hidden in our thoughts and our hearts. You know them and we trust that you hear us when we cry out to you, even in the silence. We pray that you would hear all those prayers now. And as our Lord taught us, we lift up this prayer to you, O Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And let all God's people say, amen.